I wonder if we can sum up Christmas in three different words. And there's a really good person to ask to see how they would sum up Christmas in their three words. And the person we're going to ask this morning is someone called Dr. Luke. And Dr. Luke had a very important job to do. Now, if you remember, um, last week we read Luke's account of Jesus and his birth. And that was Luke's job. Luke was a doctor, but he followed Jesus around the whole of his life, and he wrote down everything that Jesus said and did. So he wrote an account of how Jesus lived. And the very beginning of his account, he started with the very beginning of Jesus' life. And that is, understandably, his birth. And that's what we're going to look at. And then we're going to look at this text, and we're going to see how Luke would um, sum up Christmas in three words. So it's going to come up behind me, and I'm going to read it out for all of us as we go through it, and then we'll have a look at it. Okay, at that time, Caesar Augustus sent an order to all the people in the countries that were under Roman rule. The order said that they must list their names in a register. This was the first registration taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own towns to be registered. So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee. He went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea. This town was known as the town of David. Now, Joseph went there because he was from the family of David. Joseph registered with Mary because she was engaged to marry him. Mary was now pregnant. While Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to have the baby. She gave birth to her first son. There were no rooms left in the inn. So she wrapped the baby with cloths and laid him in a box where the animals are fed. That night, some shepherds were in the fields nearby watching their sheep, and an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord was shining all around them, and suddenly they became very frightened. The angel said to them, don't be afraid, because I am bringing you some good news. It will be a joy to all the people. Today your Saviour was born in David's town. He is Christ the Lord, and this is how you will know him. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a feeding box. Then a very large group of angels from heaven joined the first angel, and all the angels were praising God, saying, Give glory to God in heaven, and on earth let there be peace to the people who please God. Then the angels left the shepherds and went back to heaven. The shepherds said to each other, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. We will see this thing the Lord told us about. So the shepherds went quickly and found Mary and Joseph, and the shepherds saw the baby lying in a feeding box. Then they told what the angels had said about this child. Everyone was amazed when they heard that the shepherds said to them, Mary hid these things in her heart. She continued to think about them. Then the shepherds went back to their sheep, praising God and thanking him for everything that they had seen and heard, because it was just as the angel had told them. Now, that is the story of Jesus' birth. And I wonder if we said, Oi, Dr. Luke, how would you sum up that first Christmas... In three words, what would he say? Well, I think his first word would be historical. Dr. Luke would sum up Christmas in three words, and his first word would be historical. Now, when we read the Christmas story, what is the first thing you think of? You think it's quite amazing. Have you ever heard a birth story like that? Hands up anyone who has ever heard a birth story just like that. No. It's amazing. It's incredible. And there's lots of things in the birth story, isn't there? There's shepherds, and there's angels, and there's stars, and there's journeys, and there's uh, kings involved. It seems like an incredible story. So the question is, how do we know that it is true? 
And that's really important, isn't it? We need to know that these things are true. Well, Luke says this about his own gospel. This is really important. Luke says that he is writing the story of Jesus so that we might know that the things he writes about are absolutely true. This is what he writes at the beginning of his gospel. I write these things so that you can know that what you have been taught about Jesus is absolutely true. And the way that Luke does that is he gives us lots of facts. And we're going to run through some of these facts. And it is important that there are lots of facts in Luke's account because anyone could say anything about anything and not prove it. And you might think, actually, that's not very true. For example, I could say that I've been to Mars. Um, and and, and this, is, this is my proof. That's, this, this is me here on Mars. Definitely me. And the problem is, you've not got much to go on that that's actually me standing on Mars. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's not anyone standing on Mars. And all we have is a dodgy doctored photograph and just my word for it. What you need is facts, don't you? You need that. You need to ask a lot of other people to see whether I actually went to Mars. Maybe you should ask NASA first in America to see whether I was actually on on a Mars shuttle ship. Um, And you'll find very quickly that there isn't anything that exists. So I probably wasn't there. That's probably a lie. But Luke gives us three facts. Let's have a look at these three facts. Fact number one. Luke tells us in the text about that first Christmas when this first Christmas actually happened. And that's in verse one and two of our passage. Let's have a, let's have a look at this. Look at all the, the words in orange as well. This will help us. At that time, Caesar Augustus sent an order to all the people in the countries that were under Roman rule. The order said that they must list their names in a register... And this was the first registration taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to be registered. So Luke tells us that Caesar Augustus was around. He was an emperor. He was someone who actually exists. You can literally read about him in other books. We also read that there's a guy called Quirinius. Can you see that? That's a bit of a weird name. Do we have any Quiriniuses in the building this morning? No? good. Um, A very, very odd name, but he's a real person. Again, you can read about him. We're also talking about countries that really exist. These countries really, even now, these countries still exist. So we can see that this happened in a real place, in real space and time. My goodness, these are good facts. Thank you, Luke. We need to know when this actually happened, and you've told us, and you've told us all the people who were involved. That's very helpful. But maybe we need a bit more. Let's have a look at our second fact. Our second fact tells us how this all happened. What was actually going on, and how did this story take place? Well, if you see behind me, Luke 2, 3 to 5, we see this. Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and he went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea. This was known as the town of David. Joseph went there because he was from the family of David, and Joseph registered with Mary because she was engaged to marry him. So how did the first Christmas story happen? We read that Mary and Joseph went from Nazareth to Bethlehem to be counted, to take part in a register. That's where everyone had to be counted um, because everyone had been decreed to do so. And he went to the town of David because that's where his dad and that's where his granddads came from. That was his main town. It would be a bit like me getting on a train or in a car, going all the way down to Chippenham in Wiltshire because that's where my dad and my granddad come from. That's what was going on. And we know that this all happened. And so that's our second fact. 
Luke tells us how this all happened, how this Christmas story came about. There's a lot of information there that we can test. But fact number three, Luke tells us what happened and why. Let's have a look at this. Luke 2, 6 to 7. While Joseph and Mary were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to have the baby. She gave birth to her firstborn son. There were no rooms left in the inn, so she wrapped the baby with cloths and laid him in a box where the animals fed. Now, this is quite an amazing story, isn't it? Just listen to this. During their stay in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, because of this count, uh, because of this census that Quirinius and Augustus had asked to be taken, in this humble surrounding, in this stable, the miraculous baby, Jesus, that had been promised, was born. And not only did all this happen in space and time, but it was all by what God had said throughout the whole of the Old Testament in the Bible. This was all talked about centuries beforehand. That a virgin would conceive a baby. That the the, the prophets even said what the baby would be called. And the place where it would all happen. And that God would be coming into the world through his son, coming as a saviour king. So it's very easy to see that Luke's first word, with which he might sum up Christmas, is historical. Christmas was an historical event. When we talk about Christmas, we're not talking about a fairy tale, something that happened once many, many, many years ago in a galaxy far, far away. We're talking about something that really happened in real life, in real history. And you know what? What's really helpful, kids, is when someone says to you in school, actually, I don't believe the Christmas story. I I don't believe it really happened. I think it's just a lot of myth. I just think it's a lot of nonsense. I think it's just a nice story. And you can say, actually, this story was written about by Luke, who was actually there looking at Jesus, and he gave us three facts. He gave us three facts to tell us how that story happened. So the first Christmas was a real event. Luke's first word is historical. It really happened. And it had cosmic and eternal significance for us all, as we will see later on. And that's where Robin is going to pick up the story. He's going to tell us what that historical event actually means for us. I wonder if when Sam was speaking, maybe some of you little uh, people have, uh, maybe for the first time, you've discovered that Christmas is not just a story, like uh, lots of the stories we enjoy reading, but that it's a factually true uh, historical record of what happened in history. If you pick up the Bible and read it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these gospel books, it just reads like a history book. It happened. And I wonder if some of the grown-ups, perhaps, maybe you've kind of concluded that it isn't really true. Let me ask you simply this. Have you concluded that it's not really true having investigated the facts for yourself? I think you may come to that conclusion, read the Gospels and say this is not true. But certainly don't journey through this life on this earth with all that's at stake and never take the time to actually read the Gospels and see if they are true. I commend that to you. And we'd love to give you a copy of Mark, one of the Gospels, which is up at the back. Just in case it is true, read it. And uh, I encourage you to do that. Now, boys and girls, can you remember the first word from Dr. Luke about Christmas? It begins with H. Ha! Historical. 
historical. Well done, Joshua. Just got you right there. I was trying to work out which one. Joshua. Well done, Joshua. Joshua. Do you know what the name Joshua means? No. Jesus. It's the Old Testament word for Jesus. God says. Did you know that? Yeah. Well done, Mom and Dad. Good name. <laughs> Historical. It really happened. Now, that's all well and good that the first Christmas happened. But why does it matter? Who cares if it is true or not? It's a nice story, but why on earth do we celebrate it every year? And to be fair, the world kind of celebrates it in a big way every year. It's the biggest festival in the world every year. And all the festivities, I think, are great because they remind us of how important the birth of Jesus is. It's very, very Important. Now that's Luke's second word, important. Can somebody else tell me another word for important? Sam and I were trying to find the right word this week. What's another word for important? Very important. That's two words. Did you notice in Sam's three words, one of them was four? Did you notice? Anyone notice? I've forgotten what it was, Sam, but there was one that was four. Important. Another word for important. Essential. Who said that? That's brilliant. Well done. Essential. Anything else? In fact, I had essential. Sam changed it to important. Any other words for important? Essential. Vital. Okay? All of these different words are true of Christmas. Essential, important, vital. Now, Sam showed us when and how and where this historical event happened. But why? See, the first Christmas story, the birth of Jesus Christ was not a kind of optional extra in history. It wasn't a nice event that happened many, many years ago that we can choose to ignore. You see, we can't choose to ignore the Christmas story like I can treat my Brussels sprouts on my dinner plate this afternoon. Or when, if you manage to wrestle the remote control of somebody in your family today, you cannot control the Christmas story or pick and choose like a remote control. The first Christmas is the most important moment in the whole world that begins to answer big questions about the meaning and purpose of life. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, of course you think that. You're a minister. Let me come back to you and say, I think it, not because I'm a minister, but because I've read and investigated the facts. And therefore, I'm keen to tell other people. It is the most important thing because the world and everything in it is broken. Now, you just needed to turn on your television this morning, or the internet, or whatever, to see yet more carnage at Christmas. A plane falling out of the skies, full of people like us from families in Russia, however that has happened. Or that horrible lorry attack over the past week in the Christmas market. Lots of you have been to the Christmas market in Edinburgh. It's just the same in Germany, and yet somebody drove a lorry in and killed lots of people. Or the country of Syria. We have a family that comes along to our toddler group from Syria. And their home is gone, and their streets have gone, and their families are unsafe in that country. Syria is a place that looks very, very broken. And it's not only the world that is broken, though. If we take a long, hard look at our own hearts, we realize that we too are broken and selfish. Whether we're little, we're selfish, we don't play well with others, We're a bit envious, a bit jealous, 
of our brothers and sisters. Grown-ups are too. And that's because we are people who have rejected God as the boss in favor of wanting to be the boss ourselves. You say, let me just ask you honestly, heart to heart, man to man or man to woman, is that not true? Have we not just said, look, as human beings, we want to run the world our way. I want to run my life my way. There's no room for God. There's no room for God. Now, the broken world certainly includes you and me. We live in it. We're part of it. The Bible says we live in darkness. We live without the solution to the problem. But yet the wonderful thing of the Christmas message is that we need not live one moment longer without the solution to the problem. Because God has sent us in Jesus a rescuer, a savior. And that is why Christmas is so important. The baby born that first Christmas perfectly fits the bill. He meets our brokenness because he is the perfect savior for humanity. How is he the perfect savior? Because he is God himself. Just look at how the baby is described. You'll see the verse on the screen, Luke chapter 1, 31. He is to be called Jesus or Joshua. The word Jesus means God saves. He is the one who will rescue people from the darkness and selfishness they live in. He's also described as someone who will rule forever. That means he is the eternal king, not just a baby who remains a baby, but a baby who becomes a man, who becomes the greatest king of kings, a king who will return once again to rule over this world. But the baby is described as something even more amazing. He is described as holy, the Son of God. And because he is God, he is the one person in history who is truly able to be our rescuer. If you're little, your dad or mom can't be your rescuer. They can't give you eternal life. If you're a grown-up, nobody in this world can be your rescuer. And least of all, we cannot rescue ourselves. Only God can do it through Jesus Christ. And the truth is that we all need that rescue. Wonderful, well sung, excellent. Take a seat. Uh, boys and girls, you have done really, really well. You have listened so well. And I know that all of you, not just the kids, are itching to go back and play with presents and, and open them and eat lots of food. Um, and that's what we're going to do um, very, very soon. But before we get there, we have one more word um, of Luke's to get through, as Robin said. And I wonder if you're thinking, as you're thinking about your turkey dinner later on, as you're thinking about opening presents and giving presents and playing with presents, I wonder why you think we're actually allowed to do that. As Robin said, this is an enormous festival, and there's a lot of fuss that goes into this Christmas, and there's a lot of giving of presents, and it's very, very exciting. We're all very excited here today. In fact, most of us would have woken up earlier than we've ever woken up. Christmas Day is very, very exciting. Well, that's because the third thing that Christmas is to us, and the third word that Dr. Luke would describe Christmas, is that it is joyful. We see that Christmas is historical, it really happened. Christmas is important, it really matters. But Christmas is joyful because it's really great news. And that is why we like to have a feast at Christmas. 
That's why we're allowed to festival at Christmas, because this historical, important, essential, vital event is joyful, it's exciting, it's great news. But the joy of Christmas is so much more, isn't it, than the joy of tinsel or the joy of opening our presents or eating lots of food. Those kind of things aren't really going to last, because we know that actually tomorrow is not going to be Christmas Day, and and actually in January I need to go back to work, and the presents at some point will break. Actually, I might even get bored by the end of the day by my socks. And, uh, and we know this isn't actually going to keep going. But the joy it reminds us of is a joy that is a deep joy, a satisfying, fulfilling, monumental, life-changing kind of joy. It's a really fantastic event. And we see that joy in Luke's passage, in his account of Jesus' birth. Luke 2, 13 to 14. Look at this. There's a whole choir of angels a whole army of angels exploding into joyful song concerning this earth-shattering event that has taken place in this birth of this boy called Jesus. And also we see angels singing. Can you actually imagine what that looked like? Can you imagine what the shepherds would have felt like looking up and all those angels talking and shouting and singing about Jesus being born? And then we see this heavenly joy in the angels sort of overflows onto the shepherds on the earth. And the angels explain the joyousness of this first Christmas to those shepherds. And we see this, fear not, don't be afraid, because I'm bringing you some good news. And that good news will be a joy to all the people. That's all the people in the world. It is a joy that these shepherds and the rest of the entire world are invited to rejoice in. This is the good news that has been proclaimed to us. All the people, including you and me, are allowed to enjoy the birth of this baby. Because, as Robin has explained, because we as human beings uh, can be saved from all the bad things, all the selfishness that we enjoy. We are allowed to be saved and we are allowed to be forgiven because of what Jesus has done for us. Just as Robin was saying. And look at the results. Look at the result of this joy. Look at the result of the birth of this baby. Look at the result of what the shepherds know this baby is going to achieve by allowing them to be forgiven. Luke 2.20. And the shepherds went back to their sheep praising God and thanking him for everything that they had seen and heard. Because it was just as the angels told them. You wouldn't, you, we, we get quite excited when babies are born, but these guys told everyone. They were praising God because what had happened. Because it was such a monumental, joyful celebration. And it's because ultimately, guys, this is really important. When you think of your presents that are going to run out of steam in a few weeks' time, Jesus is a present that does not disappoint. It is a present that keeps on giving, literally. This is an event that these guys couldn't even fully comprehend. And so it was a joy that they really wanted to celebrate him because this gift that keeps on giving, this Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Holy One, the one who was sent to us, who became flesh for us, was our saviour. Born so that we could be saved from all the problems we face. Born so that we could get true forgiveness, that even though we're really rubbish, we could be seen through Jesus Christ as being good in front of God and right and perfect. Because Jesus allows us to be free fully from our sin and from all the issues that Robin was saying are in the world. But more importantly, 
we rejoice because we are allowed to come to know God. That's incredible. We're allowed to know God. And that's quite an amazing statement. It's like saying, can you imagine if you were allowed to properly know the Queen? That would be quite cool. Even better than that, you're allowed to know God because Jesus, the Son of God, has made him known. I mean, that is incredibly joyful. That is an incredible joy. And so Christmas is very, very joyful. There's loads of joy in the passage. And that absolutely would be Luke's word. Third word to describe Christmas. It's incredible joy. And as you have, I hope, a fantastic Christmas and all the joys of Christmas today, your present opening and your games and your food, and that's all really good stuff. We are allowed to fully revel in this joy. We're allowed to enjoy all these good earthly things that God gives us. We're allowed to enjoy this building that God has given us. We're allowed to really be happy about these things. And as we do all that in this earthly sense... Allow it to remind us of the joy that it really reminds us of. The better joy that we know God. The greater joy that we are free from our sin. The greater joy that we are completely forgiven. The most incredible joy, as we remember this day, that a saviour has been born to us, who is Jesus Christ the Lord. And that is a great place to end, isn't it? is a great place to end with the joy of Christmas. And that's why we talk about Christmas all over the world as being a joyful event. Not because it's just a happy time, but because it reminds us of Jesus Christ. So the three words that Dr. Luke would help us sum up Christmas would be historical. It really happened. It was a real event in time and space. It is important. It's essential. It's vital. Because we really needed it to happen for us to be saved. And it is joyful because it is great news for all mankind. Isn't that great? 